Can you folks hear me out? There we go. Great big good morning. Good morning. Great to have you joining us here today. We have a wonderful service ahead for you. It's a fun service. We're going to be looking at, at this basic idea, you know, what sort of, what are some of the questions that unite us? And one of them is this. We put out this question. Would you like your life to be simpler? We put that out on Facebook. Guess what percentage of people said, yes, they would like their life to be simpler? 100%. 100% of people said they wanted their life to be simpler. And that's what we're looking at today. How do we sort of find this, this simplicity? And, and it's a simplicity that doesn't necessarily mean in inactivity. It's talking about a peace and a faith, something very rich and very deep. And, and I think about it, I think about, you know, this, this kind of this kind of simplicity, and it's, it's, we have a simplicity when we're children, and then, then as well-known, talks about all the time in theological circles, life kind of moves around towards a second simplicity. A time later on in our lives where, where, where things just get a little simpler. It doesn't mean there aren't complexities, but the way we navigate those becomes, in a way, simpler and simpler. I love this line from 1 Corinthians 13, famous line, even though this is not the wedding line per se, where Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection is in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known." Beautiful, beautiful idea there. And, and folks, in that, in that idea of, of faith and, and how faith can shift, and how faith shifts from a, from a childlike faith, which has its own incredible beauty. I mean, for any of the kids who are watching, like, it's fun watching kids' faith. It's beautiful to watch. And life goes on, and there's this thing that happens called life. <laughs> And then we come back to a faith, and it can be a very deep and rich faith, but it's a very deep and rich faith that is, that is grounded, and it, and it comes down to a few simple things that we just get, we're going to be talking about over this next three weeks. What are simple things that we can keep in mind, especially in times that are, that are so incredibly challenging. It was fun last week, and a big thank you to Curtis Childs, who manned the fort here at New Church Live, where I traveled down to South Carolina, and went to a home church down there, was able to visit with a number of New Church Live congregants and friends, and, and it was beautiful, and it was just simple. It was just simple. And that's the way I think God is calling our faith to be, is, is this, this simple thing, this simple thing. So let's get into the space of the story we're going to talk about today. The space of the story we're going to talk about today is, is, is one, it comes after Easter, a week after Easter, and there's a lot of tension in the air. Again, just a little background, Jesus had died, he was resurrected, and some of the disciples had seen him, but not all of them. And we just have to put ourselves again in that space, that space of incredible loss, of challenge. And the disciples are, are in this space, and, and they're looking out there at life, and, and they, all they can see out there is rage and havoc. Rage and havoc. Anger, vengeance, fear, anxiety, all those things, all those things happening. And what do they do? 
Well, they gather in a room. We're going to be reading this story in a minute. They gather in a room. They make sure the door is locked. And you think about that. They're both, they're both trying to lock something out, rage and havoc. And maybe this too. Maybe they're also locked in. Locked into their own worries, their own concerns, their own fears. And thinking through the question, even though this question isn't, isn't directly in the Bible, thinking through this question that I imagine they would have been asking, I think they would have been asking the question, what now? What now? I imagine a lot of us are in places, and it could be for good reasons, we're like, yeah, what now? And it could be for really hard reasons, like we just lost somebody, or there was this, or there was that. What now? And we're going to be looking at that side of it where it's more from the sense of loss. Like, what, what do we do now? What do we do now? That, folks, that question, and again, you look at the parallels to the story, had some great conversations around this story as we were putting together the, the message for you today. Can we feel a little rage and havoc kind of taking place outside the door in this day and age? <laughs> yes. Just look at your news apps. We can feel that. And this is a story, as we're going to be looking at it today, that's not about how do we solve all that per se. It's more about how do we navigate all that. I think in life, and, and this has been said over and over and over again, and it's such a good analogy. Like, there are cliches in the world. I remember, let's back up here. I, I was a public school teacher for a long time, and one of, one of the rules of thumb was do not use cliches. Do not use cliches. And, and that's a challenge because sometimes cliches are so good, right? They're so true. And maybe they do deserve to be used because of the truth that is within them. And one of the cliches that has so much truth to it is this idea of a map versus a compass. Now take a look at this graphic here, a map. What we think we need to get started, a perfect map of the future. And I think we do, right? I, I know I certainly want a map. I certainly want to know steps. I certainly want to know destinations. I want to know how many miles, where I turn left, where I turn. I want to know all those things. All of those things. But rarely, folks, I mean, think about it for yourself. Rarely do we get maps. What we do have, however is a compass. And what does a compass do? What we actually need, it gives us a general direction. It helps us to see a true north. It helps us to, to understand what things we want to navigate by. That's so incredibly important. What things we want to navigate by. And a compass is important because it's always true. And the compass point we're looking at today is what I think Jesus was trying to give them in this locked room both they're trying to lock stuff out as well as themselves being locked into their own fears, anxieties, worries, trying to give them a new form of faith. Because I think a lot of the time we want a faith and we think that if we have faith, it'll give us the map. I don't think so. I think what we're given is a faith that gives us a compass. And today we're going to look at it in a way that just, that spins it in a, in a, in a fascinating way. And hopefully I will do the story at least a little bit of justice because it's an amazing story. 
And where do we find ourselves at the end of that? We find ourselves with a little bit of release. And we're going to set up this next song. And what I ask the band to do, I ask Emily to just sing, sing the chorus just a cappella. And I really want you to listen to this chorus. Then I'm going to chat a little more, and then we'll hear the first song. So just listen to this chorus. shall be released. And that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at what does that release look like? What does it look like to maybe unlock those doors? To maybe open the windows? To maybe find a new compass point, a new true north, and a new view of faith.
Thank you. You know, that idea of, of release, and I, it's just such a powerful concept, right? And you, you think about the faith that Jesus is trying to give them. And it's not the faith of a certainty of a map. It's the faith of the grace around a compass. Again, faith in search of certainty is one thing. Faith in search of love and grace is something very different. With looking at this, folks, and again, the, the, beauty, the beauty of that song, think for a minute. Let's just think before I show you what, what Jesus offers. Just imagine, again, all the rage and the havoc out there. And all the rage and the havoc that they were carrying in themselves. And Jesus appears. Now, little aside, this I'm actually going to use for a whole series next year that I just was thinking about. It's interesting. He doesn't come back to the religious authorities, doesn't reappear to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those groups. If you know those phrases from the Bible, you might not. But he doesn't come back to the powers, uh, the Roman rulers, any of that. He comes back to that sensitive part. And, and I think there's something there, right? That part of us all concerned with power is not going to hear this message. That part of us that is tender well so what is it that gets said folks well here's the line on the evening of that first day of the week by the way a little aside that's christians this is where christians flip the sabbath from saturday to sunday when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the jewish leaders jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you after this, he showed them his hands and his side. For those of you who aren't aware of the Christian story, that's where he'd been crucified, nailed to a cross. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, you have to remember, not all of them had seen him yet, but this was just this cause for great celebration. And I want to focus on that word there, peace. I want to focus on that word there, peace. Now, now, it's, now many of the times in the Bible when we see the word peace, we can, we can think of the word shalom. Shalom, beautiful word. And shalom is kind of like a wholeheartedness. It's, it's the idea of seasonality, and, and it's a peace that encompasses all things. But it was fascinating looking at the wording around peace because it actually sits somewhere different. 
It's this idea of peace. Peace as in, this was the definition, exemption or release from rage and havoc. Exemption, release from rage and havoc. So it's not saying, and I think this is so important, folks. It's so important. It's not saying rage and havoc will disappear. Even though in so many heartbreaking ways, we wish that to be true. It's saying we will be exempt from that stuff. We'll be released from that. It'll be there. But we will not be in it in the same way. And I don't think that means that, that we'll be totally like freed from it. I, I don't think that happens on this side of life. But it means we're in it in a different way. And I think, I think I know actually that all of you know people who somehow managed to pull that off. So that's that idea of peace. It's a beautiful concept, beautiful concept. We're going to come back to that, you know, a number of different times in a number of different ways. Because I think this is where Jesus is trying to reestablish equilibrium. From a Christian new church perspective, that's the whole Easter story, is that, that life had gotten out of equilibrium. It had gotten out of balance. And we tend to think, well, yeah, we've got to get back in balance. Somebody's got to put their thumb on the scale. And that's not the kind of balance that Jesus offers. Jesus offers an equilibrium that's of our heart. That's more about being grounded and centered in truths that are forever true, in love that is forever loving for these compass points of life. It's a very different kind of view of equilibrium, and that's where it's that equilibrium between heaven and hell being reestablished. This idea of balance, so important. Now, with that, folks, we also see that, that Jesus does this, and then it says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. In other words, he showed them his wounds. This is a very famous painting of that. This is where we get the story of Downing Thomas, which we're not doing today, but, but that's, that's where we get the story from. So what is that all about? Like Jesus wishes them peace and then shows them, shows them his wounds. Well, let's, let's try this on for size. Maybe it's, it's saying this in a way only Jesus could say it. That the rage and the havoc, the challenges, they're real. They're real. It's always interesting talking with people and it's, it's so easy to, to, to like step into challenges in a way that's not necessarily helpful which is somebody has a challenge we step into it and we step into it by telling them like nothing to worry about here it's, you're okay and they just need a minute to be heard they just need a minute just a second to show hands, to show size, to show feet, to just, to just show that there's a wound. Now, obviously, we don't live in that space. In a health, if we're healthy, healthy spirituality is not about living in that space, but, but please pay attention here because I think this really matters, right? Like there's, there's the living in the space and then, and then there's as well this idea of just acknowledging the space. Yeah, it's just, it's just that. It's just this is an area of deep pain. And be able to understand that and get that. 
And then it immediately goes into this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And that's going to be, we're going to look at that as a, as a pretty profound warning. Now the words there again, folks, we see again that word peace show up. Jesus trying to center them. Yep, this is really about peace. And then adds as well, like there's a peace. And then Jesus, you know, it's like we're never quite off the hook. Like it's not about just sitting around with nothing. It's the idea that, that once we start to allow this peace into our life, we'll allow ourselves to understand that we are truly sent. Not sent to cure it all. Not sent, like, to certainly not sent to know it all. But we're sent out into the world to hopefully, in a lived way, bring that same peace to other people. In ways that are humble, in ways that are, you know, I, I can't stress the humility necessary that I think is so critical to that. You know, we don't want to do peace to someone. <laughs> It's, it's just about living in it. It's just about being in that place. And when we can be in that place, that's a very different space to be. And this idea, folks, of, of, of why, that, you know, why that forgiveness then at the end might matter. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. I, I don't see that. Like th That's not Jesus giving them permission in terms of who to decide to forgive and who not to. I want to be clear about that. That's Jesus saying, look, you're either going to forgive them or you're not. And the choice is yours. And remember, if you don't forgive them, they won't be forgiven. They won't be forgiven in your head. Like, it's just going to keep on going. Folks, what would they have been thinking at that moment? Who would they have been thinking, you know, around this whole idea of forgiveness? Well, I can think of a couple. You know, I imagine. I, I think one would have been Judas. So for those of you who don't know this story, Judas has sort of sold out Jesus uh, for money. They, he was the one who identified him, got him arrested, the whole thing. So that's significant, right? So, so those disciples all gathered around. Imagine you had these, these 12 really close friends. And one of them totally, totally messed you up totally betrayed you, totally violated every form of trust that you held sacred. I think there'd be some forgiveness there <laughs> that's necessary. And this is the other one too, folks. And this is, this is one, I, I don't have great language for this, but I, but I imagine it to be true. I think as well, there's a forgiveness here, maybe even a forgiveness of God that needed to happen. I know it's so hard when we, when we try to do things and we, we come to it with a sense of mission, a sense of God is blessing this, God is doing this, God is here with us, which God always is. And if it doesn't work out exactly the way we want it, we can feel betrayed. We can feel let down. Because we know our intentions were good. So maybe there's even an element of here where Jesus is saying, yeah, you know, forgiveness just needs to be the name of the game here. So this peace 
and forgiveness, this breath, and that's a reference, by the way, back to the very beginning of the Bible. God breathed on the water. And that's how creation starts. This idea we're talking about a new creation here. And this is, this is really the key part, folks. I think the kind of faith that Jesus is asking them to sit in is one where peace and forgiveness now are the cornerstone of faith. I just I think how different that is, right? Like, I think we all can imagine how different that is. Here they, you know, I, I just, I think about what it would have been like being in that room, and I would have wanted a certain kind of faith, a certain kind of certainty, a certain kind of 100% knowledge of something. I think we all would want that, right? But here's Jesus offering something just so different. Here he is saying, no, it's, it's, it's actually going to be a faith that grows out of peace and grows out of forgiveness in these, in, these, in these ways that are sort of hard to even imagine. When we look at that, folks, we look at that idea of, of faith growing out of peace and forgiveness, that peace and forgiveness, I think what that is, is that is quiet. It's a peace and a forgiveness that grow out of quiet. It's not a creed. And it's something, this is a piece of Christian New Church theology that prepares the way in a vibrant love that makes it so. And a vibrant love that makes it so. I found this quote this morning as I was getting ready and it said, what happens, what God's trying to create for us is a gentle, welcoming landing for befriending the hard realities we are given. That idea, I love that idea of befriending the hard realities. That's what I think Jesus is after here, befriending the hard realities of life. Befriending them. Maybe that's where release is. You know, it's befriending where, where I can come from a place where I'm deeply rooted in peace. The rage, the havoc is there, but I'm rooted in peace. I'm going to be rooted in peace as best I can, as humbly as I can. And I'm also going to be rooted in forgiveness. Forgiveness of others, of course. Forgiveness of God that his map and my map appear to be somewhat different. Can you feel that? Can we share that? Is there a part of us that can get that that's where faith can grow out of? It doesn't grow out of a creed. It doesn't grow out of, of this list of certitudes. I think that may be why Jesus said, I'm offering you a peace, a peace that actually passes all understanding. And that's a beautiful peace. Because that's a peace and a forgiveness that is both a landing for the hard realities of life and a launch, a launch up into a new call.
Backstage answering text messages about how good the band is. No one said how good the sermon is. So, like, there you go. <laughs> so, so, folks, like, I, I have to have an admission for you here, you know, and this kind of gets us to that list, last part. Like, what does it feel like to really drift away that way as, as the music set? Well, it was, was interesting. You know, on uh, Friday was a super busy day. I get home. And, and my wife and our youngest daughter are there, and, and they, they said, oh, let's have a tea. Usually we eat around the table. That's a big part for our family. But we decided to have a TV dinner. I don't know if you do that at your house, where you actually, on occasion, it's a special treat to dinner in front of the TV. 
And, and we decided to watch this show, Married at First Sight. Do not recommend it, by the way. It's, it's a reality show. And, and, you know, it's about couples who, who get married right away without ever meeting each other, blah, blah, blah. And, and it was interesting watching, watching this show because I'm looking at these couples and, and it's, it's a made-for-TV drama. So, of course, guess what? If it's made for drama, you're going to see a lot of drama. You're going to see tons and tons of drama. And I'm thinking, oh, man, as somebody who works a lot with, with couples, there are people watching this show thinking that drama is normal. Can I fill you in on a little secret? It's not. It's not. It's not normal. If you live in a, in a high drama relationship, there's something wrong. <laughs> it's not what God intends. And of course we have, even functional relationships have some moments that are filled with drama. So it's not about like doing it perfectly. But it's, it was interesting watching this because I was just so struck about how there was no sense of peace in these couples. And how there was no sense of forgiveness. Huge sense of drama. Huge sense of, well, are you in or are you out? You know, there's kind of these binary decisions. Again, no time for those decisions, but it makes for good TV. I don't think it makes for good relationships, though. Isn't that interesting, right? Because we know, we know couples and families and individuals who have that, that sense of, and it's not drift as in off course, it's just like they're just not engaged with all the rage and the havoc of life. And, and, and there's, there's a peace and there's a forgiveness of life on life's terms that is, that is so powerful and so palpable to be around. And we live in an age where I do really think there's just so much rage and havoc right now. And we need to find a place where we're not trapped and locked in, where we haven't sort of collected in a small little thing and just locked the doors, shut the windows. That's not going to happen a lot of the time physically. And we can always choose to have it happen right here. It is hard to do. My, you know, my habit every morning is to wake up and recite my resentments for the day ahead or the day behind. That's not it. We need to work at that part. There's a peace and forgiveness on our heart that we carry with us every single day. We need that faith that is rising from Peace and forgiveness. And again, I want to read you that, that quote I had this morning. This is from Krista Tippett, by the way. We need a gentle, welcoming landing for befriending the hard realities we are given. It's exactly what Jesus is trying to offer them here. He's not giving them a map. It is fascinating that he doesn't say, these are the ten things I need you to do. Here are the directions. And he even comes back a third time. We're not covering it today, but he even comes back a third time. Guess what word he starts out with first? Begins with P, ends with East. <laughs> Three times. Peace, peace, peace. He's really sincere about this message because we need this message. 
We need it desperately. This, this message, friends, is one I think that we, we carry with us with, with a lot of humility. And, and sort of when we can come from that peace and forgiveness, peace and forgiveness, peace and forgiveness, we don't need to know. A map is all about needing to know. We reach a point where, where you know, present company excluded, maybe there's some of you, but I, I, I think there are people, there must be people out there who've reached this point where they just don't need to know anymore. This is the way Father Richard Rohr describes it. I love this quote. People who've had any genuine spiritual experience always know what they don't know. They're utterly humbled before mystery. They are in awe before it all, at peace with it all, in wonder at eternity and depth and a love which is incomprehensible to the mind. It's, it's, it's a touch point here, and this is hard, again, like language-wise to put together, but, but when we get to that humble part, all that's left is a sense of awe. All that's left in a certain way is a, is a true sense of amazement. It was, it was interesting over the past couple weeks, we've had a bunch of baptisms, a bunch of weddings, a bunch of things going on. And it, it was at a, at a baptism, and I'm thinking this was the first baptism I've ever done for twins, and so I, I actually did it with left and right-handed at the same time. That was fun. And it was interesting doing this baptism baptizing these twins and watching the parents, you know, and the parents are always as, and I remember this as a young parent, you know, you're worried about like, is my kid going to cry? If they cry, what will, they, what will I do? <laughs> you know, all, we can fill in the blank here, right? All the worries you have as a new parent with new babies. And then there was the great-grandmother. And she's off on the side. She's just loving it. It was so obvious that she was the one who at that moment was bringing the wonder and awe to it. Nothing wrong, again, with the parents and what parental concerns are. I mean, thank goodness, right? And something precious to watch a grandparent, a great-grandparent watching their great-grandchildren be baptized. I look at that, you know, well, she's the great-grandparent was over on this side. I'm looking at that great-grandparent, and I'm thinking, they know stuff. Just by the look on her face. They know stuff I don't know. They know things about peace, about forgiveness, about a faith not focused on certainty, but a faith focused on love. They know about all those things. And where do we come to get, folks? Well, I love this line here from Secrets of Heaven. Those who live a loving life practice the Sabbath daily. Now, again, it's interesting, right? This story, it says, you know, occurred on the first day of the week. First day of the week on the Jewish calendar was actually Sunday. And as I, as I noted to you very quickly, that's why the Sabbath shifted for Christians when Christianity started it. The, the, the Jewish tradition very beautifully holds it as a thanksgiving for the end of the week. Christianity, and I think both are beautiful answers, by the way. Christianity holds it as this beautiful beginning of the week. 
beginning of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath here, the Sabbath here is the Sabbath of the heart, and it's, it's this Sabbath where, where we just find the Sabbath in, in serving other people, in doing good things, in taking care, in saying hello, in connecting, in all these acts of kindness. As Emmanuel Swinburne said, so important. What else is worship but a life of kindness? What else is worship but a life of kindness? See, all of this, folks, points to such, such, a, such a different view of faith. And it's a faith that becomes a daily celebration. Not something we kind of reserve to kind of give God his or her piece of the pie. But it's this daily celebration. This riotous generosity. This overwhelming enthusiasm for the world. Because we know that we've been released from the rage and havoc of it all in some small way. And again, I, I really want to be clear. I never want to come across as like, this is possible and here's the five steps to do it. It's never that easy. This is where God is leading us over our lives. And at the very best, maybe we just touch that place a couple of times. A week, maybe a couple of times. A month, maybe a couple of times a year. Friends, trust that moment. Trust that time when you feel it. Because you are being sent. And you are being called. You're being called home. You're being called home. So the closing thought here, folks. This series is about trying to live life more simply. Something that is unanimous in what people want. This week, let's navigate just by a couple of things. By peace, and by forgiveness, and see the faith that grows from those. Amen. And what we're going to do now, folks, is now we're going to say a prayer. Have the Lord's Prayer, a little moment of meditation as well, and then close with the last song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us again more and more to see a different grounding of faith. In a time where we can feel the rage and the havoc swirling around us and swirling within us. Allow us instead to welcome your presence into that room. Your presence, not filled with instruction, but filled with the beauty of peace, filled with the grace of forgiveness, acknowledging the wounds of life, but also in that place, giving us a simple call to move forward, a simple call to take the next step, a simple call to find faith yet again. Thank you for your presence among us today, Lord. Be with this amazing congregation over the week ahead. Remind us when it gets complicated. Our job this week, make it simple. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home, brothers and sisters. Amen. Keep on.
Thank you so much. Have a great week.